History happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after show podcast where we look back at the most recent episode, number 65, Sleep in Mexico during the Middle Ages. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out or you will come across spoilers ahead. Pull yourself together. Hello, my name is Pete Goddard and I'm here in the HHE studio with the soft fluffy pillow to my rock hard mattress. It's Mr. Ryan Weir. Hello. Hello, hello. And of course, we are joined as ever by the disciplined disparager of dreams. It's the judge himself, Mr. Paul Dursley. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Mr. Judge, sir. Now, Ryan, as if it were a dream... Yeah. Much as your dreams melt away in the morning and you can't remember what happened, I can't remember anything about the episode. Well, that's a shame, because it was a good episode. I would say almost an A grade. Almost an A grade. Well, we'll see about that. But I wonder if you could remind us what happened in about 60 seconds. When do we do it? Start now. Sleep like a Mayan, wake up like an Aztec. That's the motto for this week's episode, where we discovered that sleep for ancient Mesoamericans was serious business. We took a nap on traditional sleeping mat and looked at how dreams meant more than just a jumbled mess of images. We sat with a soothsayer and foresaw predictions of things to come. Pete took a mouthful of Kalea, the intensely bitter dream herb, in the hopes that it would give him superpowers to control his nightmares. And we met our late-night spirit animals and parted into the early hours to celebrate the Aztec Day of the Dead. And finally, we heard the story of Iztazawatl, the beautiful princess who fell into eternal slumber and turned into a snow-capped mountain. And all while sampling tequila and cerveza. It was sleep. It was Mexico. It was the Middle Ages. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. Oh, you've broken my dream, Ryan. I now recall it all. What a great time we had. Mm. Uh, especially the beer and tequila. Enjoyed that very much. But mm-hmm. as ever, my opinion is worthless. Pointless. Dust. It's a dream gone. <laughs> uh, but the important opinion here belongs to Mr. Dursley. So, Mr. Dursley, are you a Mayan fan? Are you a Mexico man? Um, well, although I've not been to Mexico, I have been to a couple of Mayan sites in Central America. So a bit of yes to that I think so do you know things about the mines or was it just a trip and you saw some things and it was and then you wandered yeah, off no, I, the I know I know some things about the mines yeah yes they sort of used to have that ball game didn't they where the winners were executed perhaps <laughs> really? we should do that in this <laughs> football would be quite interesting if that were the case well it's interesting because I asked about it uh, to, 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 to the guide and he said yes but those matches only sort of happened once every 40 or 50 years. Oh, wow. Okay. You've got to get the training in, haven't you? <laughs> you only get uh, one go at it. <laughs> well, but, but they were generally played by old people as well. Oh. But they were also generally old players. It sounds like Squid Game. You know, to die in the sort of Mesoamerican culture, as you, as you said, is not the end. Certainly not the end. No, it is but the beginning. An awfully big adventure, as they say. Mm-hmm. Now, Ryan, you mentioned Cortez. Hernan Cortez. Hernan Cortez. So I, I was quite interested by him. So I did a little digging about him. Mm-hmm. So I, I discovered that 
Cortez was, he probably would have won anyway, but he was a little bit lucky because he went to see Montezuma, who was the leader of the Mayans. And his calendars and the prophecies that they were keen on had estimated that in that very year, the god Quetzalcoatl Mm -hmm. would return to Earth. And so logically, Montezuma went, this guy must be the herald or ambassador or representative of some kind of the god that we've been expecting. So kind of weirdly, he was like, ah, we've been expecting you. Mm. They treat him as a guest and say, welcome and uh, very welcoming. Uh, And then Cortez goes, okay, I'm going to take you hostage and my soldiers are going to seize the city having been invited in as an honoured guest. <laughs> yeah, Quetzalcoatl, he he was a god who originally arrived by the sea. So to see the Spanish coming by sea would have been even more reason why you would have thought that it was him. And imagine how confusing it must have been for Cortez. Are they going, ah, we've been expecting you. <laughs> have you? How's that? <laughs> Mr. Bond. Yeah. And of course, Montezuma eventually is killed by Cortez and Cortez pretty much overtakes the entire area. And I don't know, have you ever heard of uh, getting diarrhea on holiday being referred to as Montezuma's revenge? Yes. Well, if you go on holiday to Mexico Mm. and the food plays havoc with your tummy and you have the, the... diarrhea experience and he's that's getting montezuma's revenge, revenge. Oh, so okay. sort of the 19th century british version was deli belly indeed which i'm sure is still available to this day <laughs> in all good stockists So in the episode, Ryan, we drank beer and tequila. We did. But one of the things we also drank... Um, by, 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 by the way, Ryan, thank you for your bribe. It arrived today. Oh, I'm pleased you received it, Judge. Oh, it's like that, is it? What What did you get, Judge? Did you get some lovely beer and some lovely tequila? Yes, I'm trying, I'm trying the tequila now. It's nice. The salt is quite nice around the edge. I've never had it before like that. I didn't bring him salt. Well, I'm sure he had his own salt. Okay, so (laughs) the bribery notwithstanding, there was another drink that you brought, which unfortunately didn't make it into the episode. You're right, Pete. So one of the things that we cut from the episode, just for time, was that I had imported us uh, a couple of bottles of a famous Mexican soft drink. It was a carbonated sweetened soft drink that comes in a glass bottle, and it's called... Coca-Cola. So exotic. What is this mysterious <laughs> drink from a strange land? Yeah, well, it's known as Mexicoke. That's a, that's a real that's a real thing. And it's an insanely popular drink with Mexicans. They are the largest purchaser of Coca-Cola in the world, with one town called Chiapas drinking the most of it. And estimates indicate that each person consumes an average of two and a half litres of Coca-Cola a day. That is way too much Coca-Cola, according to my nutrition chart. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think Mexi-Pepsi is a better name. Mexi-Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Well, get on to the marketing department. They'll be uh, having that soon. <laughs> but it's so commonplace that they even have a church which has swapped out communion wine with Coca-Cola, which has earned it the name, obviously, the Coca-Cola Church. <laughs> so you can go there and, I don't know, baptise your baby in a bath of Coca-Cola. That seems like a stretch for the use of Coca-Cola to me, but okay, who am I to judge? I'm assuming the people of Chiapas are on the larger side. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a, a, a large uh, obesity issue. But yes, one of the reasons for its popularity is because Mexican-made Coke is different to that produced in the rest of the world. Most commercial Coke uses high fructose corn syrup as the sweetener, but Mexican Coke has stood by by its earlier recipe and still uses cane sugar instead, which supposedly makes it taste better and, in quotes, more natural. (laughs) 
but sweet as we experienced. Super sweet, yeah. In fact, taste tests generally show no real difference between the two. But some claim that Mexico has a more complex flavour with an ineffable spicy and herbal note. I found it so ineffable that I could not detect it. I will say that much. <laughs> yeah. So Coca-Cola first opened their bottling franchise in Mexico in 1921. And the recipe has pretty much stayed the same since then. But now it's got this kind of nostalgia feel to it. And it's garnered quite a lot of cachet among the new generation, particularly those who are using social media. And Mexico now has, I, I believe the term is, clout. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. And it's being exported internationally and is now readily available in most grocery stores throughout the United States. In fact, nostalgia for Mexico has been so great that the Mexican Coca-Cola company has reintroduced another old drink called Surge, which was last sold in the 1930s to sort of capitalize on this sort of feeling of nostalgia. All right. But the only other country that made Coke with sugar rather than corn syrup is New Zealand. And so I say we call it Kiwi Coke. Kiwi Coke, that works. It's pretty good, right? I like it. Don't drink two litres a day, though. That's my strong advice, to be honest with you. Drink two and a half litres instead. I'm getting bored of this bit. It's an advert. Okay, so do you remember right at the very beginning of the episode, I told you about the temple, which you can clap outside of, and noise travels up the side of the pyramidical slope into the little cavity at the top and comes back as the echo of a, a quetzal bird. Yes, and there was a neighbouring snake building that could do similar impressions. It's, it's exactly right. I've seen a quetzal bird, actually. Have you really? On the side, yes. It's, it's the national bird of Nicaragua, but there aren't any left in Nicaragua. I saw one in Guatemala. Oh. They're beautiful, uh, beautiful birds. Yeah, incredibly long tail of feathers. They sort of reminded me of pheasants. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's also sort of visual effects, aren't there? Those stepped pyramids, mm -hmm. they're designed, though, on certain days of the year as the sun moves, the, the shadow looks like a snake moving slowly up the side of the pyramid. Oh, that That's is incredible, good. isn't it? We don't do that with our buildings these days. They're just boring buildings. No, exactly. My house barely looks like an animal at all. Yeah, you know, Stonehenge, you know, they sort of lined it all up with everything. What yeah. What do we do? I want a building that when I clap at it, it says something. <laughs> Does a Homer Simpson impression or something. <laughs> well, sounds were really important to the Aztecs, and they made countless types of different noisemakers and musical instruments. But there is one instrument that stands out above and beyond the others, and it's called the Aztec Death Whistle. It is a ceramic instrument that produces a loud, high-pitched, and eerie sound believed to mimic the sound of human screams. And it was only found somewhat recently in 1999. Oh, wow. At an Aztec temple dedicated to the wind god Ecatl. And the whistle was held in the hands, or the skeletal hands, <laughs> of a male who had been the victim of human sacrifice. Ooh. Now, at first, they assumed it was like a toy or an ornament of some sort. But it was later revealed that the whistle was likely used during the sacrifice itself to help guide the soul of the victim towards the afterlife. And it's believed that they were used in other religious ceremonies too, like the Day of the Dead celebration, but also, notably, in warfare. So they each of the warriors would have one of these Aztec death whistles, and as they were riding into battle, they would all blow this whistle, and it sounded a little something like this. Ah! 
<laughs> it's quite scary and screamy. <laughs> so I have to say, I get why you'd use that in war. You, yeah. You're, I don't know, riding or running down on someone going, Wah! Yeah, scare them. I don't want to hear that if I'm just about to be sacrificed. <laughs> I was hoping for more like a... I don't want a more cheery sacrifice. Yeah, I want somebody. It's going to be all right. You're just going to the next phase of life. But that that is not a calming noise. <laughs> well, look, it is said to be mentally disturbing, and it has caused a feeling of unease in people. Uh, some people have reported sleep disturbances after hearing it, and even nightmares. Um, although there's no scientific evidence to support any of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but good news, though, Pete, when you are planning your next human sacrifice, ah, you yes. can buy one on Amazon. Tuesday week. Yeah, they're made of ceramic. And should be Tuesday week. My next sacrifice. <laughs> oh, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked it up, and there were some one-star reviews, though. Oh. So I had to have a look at those. And one of them said this. I gave this to a friend who found out these are bad objects to have in the house. It can cause bad things to happen, like your house will burn down, your investments will go belly up, or just bad luck follows you everywhere. He now blames me for bringing this cursed object into his house. One star. That merits one star if it's if your house is burnt down and your life is cursed. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe you can uh, you can get one and, and leave your own review. Maybe. Needed more screaming. <laughs> the herb, Ryan. I have to raise the herb. You want to talk about Kalea? I want to talk about Kalea. <laughs> do I want to talk about it? Yes, I think I do. So remind us what the Kalea was first. Okay, so the mystical dream herb known as Kalea Zacatachichi. It's supposed to be able to give you vivid and controllable dreams, which are more easily remembered the next day. So I said that we would write down our dream experiences in a journal for a week prior to taking the herb and then a week with taking the herb and see if there were any, any differences. Absolutely, and I did my part. Now, Mr. Dursley, were you part of this experiment? Was this part of the care package? I've received a little dropper bottle in there, yes. Ah, so you can definitely do the taste test experience. Now, Ryan, you said this is incredibly bitter to me before I tried it. Yeah. And it was still not enough to prepare me for quite how unpleasant it was. <laughs> so, Mr. Dursley, would you care to give it a taste for us just so that you can understand what we went through? So, what am I supposed to... How many am I supposed to put under just the tongue? one will don't be enough. Say, definitely one <laughs> drop. Drink, drink the bottle. No, don't drink the bottle. <laughs> one drop under your tongue. It is quite bitter. I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as to say it's nastily bitter. It's it's just bitter. There's something wrong with you, Paul. That is astonishing because I found it really close to unbearable <laughs> night well, after this, night, Ryan. <laughs> you know, bitterness is one of those things where there, uh, there is genetically either you do or you don't. It's bitter, clearly. It was a squirt of nastiness every night that I did not look forward to, I have to tell you. I took it just before I brushed my teeth, just to give it some sort of mint flavor. But even then, I felt queasy and sick afterwards. It was pretty unpleasant, wasn't it? But did it work? That's the question. So what was your experience, Ryan? Okay, well, so uh, there was a difference. It, they, I would say vivid was probably the right word. More memorable? No, I don't think that was the case. They still sort of disappeared after the five minutes after I've woken up, enough that I was able to sort of jot down some thoughts. But other than that, not especially. And I certainly didn't control any of my dreams. 
So I found more or less the same, the, the same lack of memorability. If I didn't, one day I didn't write it down straight away and I had so little of it left when I came to write it down because I got distracted. And it's sure. really, they're really gentle hold you have on those dreams oh, as they yeah. come by, don't they? But one thing that happened to me that I thought was really interesting, which mm-hmm. was one of one of the nights I had just been on a comedy stage and uh, for some reason I went entirely unrelated to my comedy performance the entire audience got up and walked out and they got on a bus and the bus was stuck in this massive queue of traffic and i thought this is going to take me so long to get home this bus is a nightmare and then i thought but wait if i'm still in bed if i open my eyes i'll be at home straight away no way and i opened my eyes and i was at home because i was waking up so that was actually it was the only moment of any control i had all the rest of it was that's really fairly cool. similar but i did have a moment where i was taking control of my dream yeah. and woke myself up to get home quicker but overall i have to say yes i feel the dreams were more vivid no it wasn't worth it in exchange for the nightly ritual of <laughs> ah this is so horrible and when i thought the tincture was bad i then finished up with a night on the tea which yeah. if anything managed to be even worse the tea was worse <laughs> Just because it lasted longer, like, you know, it's hot, so you have to sip it and there's more of it. But I added some honey to mine and that did take some of the edge off, but not enough. Mm. And I I think that was the night I had worse dreams uh, in terms of like being able to remember them. So yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend the tea leaves. I would personally recommend the tincture if you were going to absolutely try this. Yeah, I suspect for me, if it might be worth trying if you didn't normally remember your dreams at all. So you could experience dreams, but yeah. the sort of marginal difference of my normal dreams to the more slightly more vivid dreams didn't feel really worth it all in. I, I think one of, one of the things that I've always heard is if you having a lucid dream, obviously, you know, you're dreaming, switch a light on. Oh, really? It's almost like you press the switch and a whole scene change generally happens. Oh, but if the herb didn't work... I have other bits of advice. I'm open-minded. So number one on the list is intention. Right, research in 2007 concluded that intention is key to having good dreams. So if you want good and vivid dreams, then your best bet is to mentally expect to have and remember them. Apparently, if you get into that routine, your dreams become more brighter, more vivid, more memorable. Just got to believe in yourself. Are you going to start doing this, Paul? I, th- I think the answer is generally no. You are ca- I occasionally remember dreams, but very rarely. I remember them more as a child. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, that might plays into my next recommendation, which is not be a child, but um, <laughs> uh, play video games. Uh, research performed over more than a decade has found that gamers report having more lucid dreams than non-gamers. And the research hypothesizes that gamers exercise control over dreams thanks to their experience controlling fantasy worlds in video games. And so that experience somehow is like a trigger in their brain and they're able to do the same in their dreams. So play more video games, Paul. (laughs) Another one, Peter. Smell. A German study exposed 15 volunteers to the smells of either roses or rotten eggs during their REM sleep, which, if you remember, is the most active dream state. And upon waking, the volunteers were asked to describe the overall feeling of their dreams. And every single participant reported having positive dreams when exposed to the smell of roses, while most reported negative experiences with the rotten eggs. So get yourself a nice cat smelling candle. Oh, I've got to get rid of my rotten egg collection. <laughs> yeah, definitely you should get rid of it. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> and finally, if you want to have sexy dreams... I do. A 2012 study found that people who sleep on their stomachs report higher instances of sexual dreams. 
And they don't know why. It's not The effect isn't fully understood, but it might have something to do with body compression. Apparently the same people have dreams, have higher instances of sexy dreams, but also higher dreams of strangulation. Oh, that's a risk, isn't it? That's a toss of the coin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can combine those two things, I guess. There you go, Paul. You know what to do tonight. What's it called? I can't... Auto-asphyxiation, that's the word. I'd hold that for later. Just try the Kalea tonight, maybe, as a starter <laughs> for 10. What I did find when we were writing down our dreams, Ryan, is that once or twice, if I forgot um, the details, if I'd waited too long to write it down, I'd be left with just a couple of impressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one, the one that I was reading back today that struck me was, well, all I'd written was, glass cheese. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that was okay. about that was so, all that was left of my dream <laughs> so if we're going to compare uh, dream notes i have one here worms in eyes very active <laughs> i had very active worms in my eyes apparently that night <laughs> yes so this uh, this is with kalea uh, I had deep, complex, and rich story with narrative structure. <laughs> I hugged Robert Downey Jr. and Judge Dursley appeared. Oh, nice. Yeah. He'd been given some element of power to rule over a group of people. <laughs> Followed by Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Avengers, What a Dream. <laughs> so Kalea worked that night, I think. I enjoy that, and I'm sure Mr. Dursley appreciates being put into a position of great power. <laughs> uh, again. So... On the subject of being put in a position of great power, Uh I think we've come to the end of the line, have we not? We have. It's time to step into the dock line and prepare to face the people's judge. I'm prepared. Judge Dursley, are you ready to give your verdict? Yes, I am. I have an observation, first of all. Please observe. Can you please tell me the difference between a rectangular room and an oblong room? Because you you said some of the rooms are oblong and others are rectangular. Yeah, I did say that. Deliberately so. That's correct. Uh, I also had this very thought, as it happens, Mr. Dursley, and I looked up definitions of oblong and rectangle. So it would appear that a circle can be oblonged into an oval and a square can be oblonged into a rectangle. So whilst a rectangle is an oblong, not all oblongs are rectangle. I rest my case. (laughs) But you're saying that they're two nouns, and I'm saying one's a verb and one's a noun. Two oblong is a verb. Two oblong. It's what what Pete said. Yeah. To oblong a circle makes an ellipse. To oblong a square makes a rectangle. Right. Whereas I said the hut could be rectangular or oblong. Or oblong, as if oblong were in of, of itself a shape. Right. Well, it isn't, because obviously if it's oblong, it could be round, as you now know. Your Honour, take a mark off. It's fine. I'll accept it. Oh, he's so confident in his big bribe. No, I just don't want to talk about <laughs> geometry anymore. <laughs> Getting flashbacks okay, okay, to school. Okay. That's very unfortunate for you by doing that. Anyway. No! (laughs) Judge Dursley, I must ask, are you ready to give your verdict? Um, Yes. Okay, will the defendant please rise? I have risen. Your Honour, as usual, let's start things off by asking for your verdict for factual content. Were there lots of juicy facts for you? Oh, there were a number of juicy facts, but I'm still concerned about oblongs and rectangles, so I'll hold that in my thoughts. 
And your grade for factual content? I would give Ryan a straight B. Nice. That's good. Take that. Okay, and as for entertainment value, not just the sketches, the, with the stories gripping, with the sleeping lady entertaining, did you find yourself just hooked on the edge of your seat listening in? Or did it send me to sleep? Is that a good thing or a bad thing for this episode, though? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I do remember Popocatapetl. It's a lovely word. It is, isn't it? Isn't it yeah, the tallest right. volcano in Mexico? That's right, yeah. Entertainment value. Well, I, you're going to... You're going to get a positive answer for this, and so I will give you a C plus. I'll take it. I mean, it's nearly a B, isn't it? And finally, the ever ineffable, the Dursley factor. What did the episode do for you? Well, I, I quite like episodes where I I sort of know a bit of, know a bit about it. Although I suppose I know a bit about most things. I like episodes where I've sort of I have a bit of overlap with it, as I've been to Mesoamerica and sort of seen a number of the specifically Mayan sites. So I will give you a B minus. I'm solidly in the B area, Looking aren't I? very positive, but yeah. as we know, there is not necessarily a full correlation between the three categories and the final verdict. So here we are. We've reached the final verdict. Ryan, before the judge passes his judgment, yeah. you have an opportunity to enter a plea. Don't forget you're one point down already. Would you care to make a plea for yourself? I actually don't this week, Peter. I don't feel I need a plea. I feel like the episode stands on its own. All right. Bold move. Your Honour, the defendant stands before you confidently. Have you reached a verdict? Yes, I have reached a verdict. In which case, I would ask most respectfully for your ruling. As I told you earlier, Ryan, I'm sort of... Well, I'm not sorry for you, I never am. But I'm afraid for you... It's a C+. Plus. A C+. Plus. Why are you afraid? I'm happy with that. That's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh God, if I got a C+, plus, I'd kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's it. That is our show for this week, and a jolly good grade it was too. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the things we've talked about in the show or just say hello, you can reach out to us on social media through the website at hhepodcast.com or email us at peteandryan at hhepodcast.com. That's right. We'd love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show. Such as Sally, a listener who took us to task, right? Oh. Good on Sally. <laughs> this was for the end of the year quiz yeah. specifically the round who got there first where she thought we have done early man a disservice <laughs> yeah that's a fair point i think that is a fair point we did do early man a disservice and we can only say sorry sally <laughs> sorry sally and we've also heard ryan from nick who says that the sketch regarding the mayan house was and i quote very funny <laughs> not just funny very funny very my friend funny. that's the bit we're taking home <laughs> uh, now of course if you want to feature on a future episode you can also rate or review the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and those recommendations really help bring the show to new listeners which we would like very much indeed and if you're on TikTok Instagram Facebook or Twitter you can get your fill of HHE Podcast at HHE Podcast and if you subscribe to those you're going to get an alert every time we post one of our little photos or stories and facts and figures yeah so we'll maybe put a picture of the sleeping lady mountain those things that we find difficult to describe to you and also you can see pictures of us drinking tequila and who doesn't want
want to see that. Indeed. We'll be back again soon with our next episode, which is the extra mile in Syria during the Persian Empire. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, a huge thank you to the judge himself. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. And that's it. I guess all that's left to say is you've been listening to... I can remember one dream, actually. Um, I think it was either this summer or the summer that's quite... It was a hot night, I remember that. And I had the windows open, and I dreamt that I was being pulled out of my bed. Oh, my God. And I, I woke up, and what had happened is the curtain had twisted around my foot and was tugging <laughs> on it. <laughs> Excellent. I would have thought that was a demon in the room. I've seen too many horror films. <laughs> Someone just grant you a wish. <laughs> <laughs> that was my phone I don't usually have. <laughs>